Thank you, guys. Now, in the older group, we've been doing various uh, dramatised readings this week, and um, I'm going to ask uh, three of our older group to come out, and they're going to read our reading for today, which comes from um, Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 24, and um, it's the story of the prodigal son. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and then squandered his wealth in wild living. (coughs) After he had spent everything... There was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattest, fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast to celebrate. And celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. So they began to celebrate. Now, no guesses for what the theme of the week has been this, uh, this time. Robots. And um, as we heard earlier, one of the ways in which robots are different from humans is that humans are able to make choices. We can choose between what is good and what is evil, between what is something that is wise and something that is a bit foolish. And we can choose between following God and rejecting God. And the amazing thing about this story is um, not so much about the wrong choice that the son made, which was pretty shocking, as we'll see, but also about the amazing way in which the father reacted after his son had made that choice. Now, your parents all know that one day, when you grow up, you will leave home. And uh, that may be when you go to university, maybe, or when you go and get a job and earn some money and have enough to go and buy your own place. Maybe you decide to get married. But um, what your parents hope is that the way they've brought you up will mean that one day, when you do leave home, you'll make sensible decisions, sensible choices. You'll be able to survive on your own. Now, in our story, the son has got... In our story, the son's got to the age where he has decided to move out. But what he says to his father is quite shocking. 
He says in verse 2 here, Father, give me my share of the estate. Or in other words, give me my share of my inheritance. Now that's what you receive when your your parents uh, die one day and they leave a will saying where their things should go to. But now the son is saying, I want that now. And what he's saying basically is, you know, I'd rather you were dead. You know, all I want is your money. I'm not really interested in you, Dad. Now imagine how his father must have felt when his son said that to him. You know, the son he loved so much, the son he brought up since he was a little baby, he provided for, he'd fed for, given him all he needed. And you would have thought the father had been really angry. But what it says here, it says, so he divided his property between his sons. And then it says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. He got together all he had. He didn't leave anything behind because he wasn't planning on coming back. Now, I left home a few years ago now. And I still have a load of stuff in my mum's loft. Now, recently she said, look, can you just go and sort that out? And so I went up there and uh, found one box and it was full of my old Ipswich Town football club programmes. And I didn't get much further than that, really. This is one of them. This is from the 17th of February, 1973. Ipswich against Manchester United. The old first division, the Premier League of the time. Do you know what the score? Any Man United fans here today? Score was Ipswich Town 4, Man United 1. Those days are coming back. We might have to wait a little while. Now this summer, he didn't leave anything in the loft. He just took everything he had. He had no plans to come back. He was rejecting his family, his home and his father. And that is a sort of picture of sin, really. It's saying to God, look, I want all the good stuff you've given me, God. I love this world that you've given for us. But I'm not interested in you. I don't want to know you. Just give me your world and let me get on with my life. Well, let's have a look at what's happened next in the story. It says that this son went off to a distant country and it says he squandered his wealth in wild living. That means he wasted everything he had. He lived it up. He didn't bother to look for a job. He just spent his money on enjoying himself, making friends, probably wild parties. The trouble is, if you spend money and there's no money coming in, sooner or later, it runs out. I know you think your parents have got this inexhaustible supply of money and they can just get you what you want, but they have to go out and earn the money. So sooner or later, it's going to run out. It's a bit like our rockets we made this uh, week with the older group. We pumped air into them and uh, Martin gave me the physics explanation of what happened here as they shot up 70 feet into the air. Uh, The water and the air came out of the rocket and the force took it up into the air. But it got to a point where all the water and all the air had come out and there was nothing left and it just crashed to the ground. Annabelle's was a very good one, 70 foot up. Excellent design there. I'm sure you can get a job with some engineers, some aero engineers. So it continues in verse 14. It says, after he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. Now he probably thought, well, when my money runs out, I'll just go and get a job and things will be all right. But as people here have experienced, when the country's in a bit of a recession, 
that's not quite so easy. And the only job he could get was on a pig farm. Now, have any of you guys um, gone on the bypass around Tame, up to the leisure centre and seen that big pig farm in the field on one side? Yeah, have you seen that? How would you like to spend all day feeding the pigs and then eating the food that you're giving the pigs? You know, all those sort of leftovers from your school dinners, all in a bucket. How do you fancy eating that? Not a nice idea, really, is it? So, what does it say here? It says, things were so desperate that he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. All his friends who were interested in a bit of money have now just left him. But then, the son realises his mistake. It says, when he came to his senses... He said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out, I'll go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. He realised his father's servants had a much better life than he had. So he thought, well, why not just go and work for my father? Now, the trouble was that would have meant him admitting he had done something wrong. He's left home, not wanting anything else to do with his family, his father, and had to go back and say, actually, I was wrong. I do need you. Please forgive me. That would have taken a huge amount of courage, wouldn't it? I don't know how many of you younger guys have your parents saying to you, look, I think you probably ought to take a coat with you. And you're saying... What do you mean a coat? Look at the weather outside. I don't need a coat. And you go out without a coat and those blue skies start to cloud over. You feel a little drop. It gets heavier and heavier and you get absolutely drenched. And you go home and what do you say? actually say, I'm alright, I don't mind getting wet. (laughs) You don't like to admit you were wrong, do you, really? No, we're all the same. and that's What that's called is pride. It's saying, I'm right, you're wrong. To have to admit that you're wrong takes an awful lot of courage. It requires a choice. Either to decide to stick to your original decision and say, of course I was right. Or to say, actually... I was wrong. I'm sorry that I didn't trust you. Professor Rollo there in the drama, do you remember what he did? He made all these robots. He was going to take over the world. But at the end, he realised that actually humans are more important than robots. And so he said, sorry, I got it wrong. Humans are more important. And we've said sin is rejecting God. And so to turn from sin and to become a Christian is to say, actually, I was wrong. I do need you, God. Please forgive me. And that's where we come on to the amazing reaction of the father in this story. Because what do you think he might have felt when the son came back to him and said, sorry, I was wrong, Dad. He could have said, right, I want you to show me that you're wrong. Prove it to me that that you're genuinely sorry. I want you to work and pay back all that money. He could have said something like that, couldn't he? But he didn't. Let's see what it says. It says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, that's his son, and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. 
He's filled with compassion. He doesn't say, oh, I told you so, I said you'd be back, didn't I? No. He didn't wait for his son even to come to him and ask for forgiveness. He ran to his son. I don't know how often you guys, when somebody does something wrong to you, you think, well, I'm not going to go and say sorry. They're the ones who need to come to me because they were the ones who did something wrong. But here the father goes to his son and puts his arms around him. Then it says, the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring a fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he was found. And that is what we call grace. That God loves us even though we don't deserve it. That he makes the first move. We looked at this diagram during a holiday club. It was just about to come up. Do you remember this one, guys? There's this big gap between us and God. And can you remember how that gap was bridged? Any of you remember? Yeah. The cross. God made the bridge to bridge the gap. It was Jesus dying on the cross to pay the price for us that enabled us to be friends with God. Let's just see the next slide. And there we have the choice. We can believe in Jesus and we can be made right with God. Or we can just stay on the other side and say, ah, I don't need that. I'm just going to stay here. That is the choice we have. I don't know how many of you have seen the film Wally. Have you, any of you seen the film Wally? Quite a few of you. Um, amazing thing about that film, I don't know whether you've picked it up, is that um, the robots, remember Wally and a- Eva? They're almost like more human than the humans themselves. You know, they, they fall in love with each other, they have emotions for each other, they get sad, they get happy. And the humans, they're flying around in a spaceship. Do you remember the spaceship? They've been flying around. Do you know how many, for how many years they've been flying around in that spaceship? Yeah. 700 years they've been going around in this spaceship, apparently. I think different generations of, uh, of uh, humans. Um, but they're becoming less and less human. You know, they're less able to walk, they just lie in their chairs, things come to them. They don't sort of relate to people. They just speak on their screens. That sound familiar? <laughs> and even the captain running the ship is not really running. It's really the autopilot, the robot, who's running the ship. And there comes a moment in the film, I'm just going to show you a clip now, where the captain has to decide, actually, who is running the ship? He's got a decision to make. Is it going to be the autopilot? Or is it going to be him? Let's just uh, watch this clip now. It should be, uh, should be coming up. Just cut it off, will you? Hey, there are the pilot. Got some bad news. Um, Operation Cleanup has, well, uh, failed. Wouldn't you know, rising toxicity levels have made life unsustainable on Earth. Unsustainable? What? Uh, darn it all, we're going to have to cancel Operation Recolonize. So, uh, just stay the course. Um, rather than try and fix this problem, it'll just be easier for everyone to remain in space. Easier? Mr. President. Uh, I think... Huh? Topical. Okay, I'm giving override uh, directive A113. Go to full autopilot. Take control of everything. And do not return to Earth. Repeat, do not return to Earth. Let's get the heck out of here. No, wait a minute. Computer, when was that message sent out to the Axiom? Message received in the year 2110. That's, uh, 
That's nearly 700 years ago. I don't think they've changed. We've got to go back. Sir, orders are do not return to Earth. But life is sustainable now. Look at this plant. Green and growing. It's living proof he was wrong. Irrelevant, Captain. What? It's completely relevant. Out there is our home. Home, Auto, And it's in trouble. I can't just sit here and, and do nothing. That's all I've ever done. That's all anyone in this blasted ship has ever done. Nothing! Unaxiom, you will survive. I don't want to survive! I want to live! Must follow my directive. Ah! of the Axiom. We are going home today. sure those who've seen it so know the ending. If you haven't, um, you might want to get it out on DVD. Uh, but um, the captain there thought he was in control of the ship, didn't he? But realised it was the autopilot, and he had to make a decision. Was he going to actually take control, or was he just going to carry on? He said, I want to live, not just survive. And I think a lot of us, um, and speaking to the grown-ups here, we might actually realise that maybe we are on autopilot without realising it. You know, the days go by, the weeks go by. You're doing the same things, and you haven't actually realised that life is just passing us by. God has given us each a choice, and it's to follow him or to reject him. And if you say, well, hold on, you know, if he really wanted me to follow him, surely he would have made himself known to me much more clearly. Um, we've talked this, this week about um, how God has created the world, uh, how he sent his son, Jesus Christ, for us to know him through knowing his son. And if uh, any of you here who want to, to find out more about who Jesus is and what it means to follow him, we run courses. We're running one starting Tuesday week, um, be at our home. And a uh, very informal chance to ask questions, to get to know what Christianity is all about. So have a word with me afterwards if you want to join us. That's Tuesday evenings or if you live in Tame. And there's a course on Thursday evenings. Have a word with Paddy after the service. But um, I just want to finish by saying... God didn't make us as robots. 
He didn't just program us to do what he wanted us to do. He made us with a choice, a choice to be able to love God, to receive love, and to love others. And he's sad when we reject him. But it says in the Bible, I'm going to leave you this verse here, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent, who do not think they need to repent.